Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I'm delighted that you're back with me for another week. And I think you're going to really enjoy and appreciate this week's conversation. I have two amazing women on the podcast, Audrey Elledge and Elizabeth Moore. And their backgrounds are interesting. And what they have written about is, I think, very interesting and helpful um, in our world today and in uh, the midst of even questions we have about faith, the difficulties we have as we're living out our faith. So you'll hear more about that in a moment, but let me introduce them as we get started. Uh, Audrey lives in New York where she works at Spark Notes and serves at Church of the City, New York. And she's the recipient of the Academy of American Poets Prize and the Virginia Beale Ball Prize. That sounds impressive to me, so I had to read it. Uh, and Elizabeth is born and raised in Louisiana, now lives in New York, though. So, hmm, you're kind of getting that they might have met in New York, right? Uh, anyway, Elizabeth works at Penguin Random House and serves with the Church of the City New York creative team. So, Audrey and Elizabeth, welcome to Faith Conversations. Thank you, Thank Anita. You well, it's great to have you both. And the two of you have written Liturgies for Hope, 60 Prayers for the Highs, Lows, and Everything in Between. Well, one thing I know over the past few years, there are a lot of highs, lots of lows, and there's a whole lot of everything in between. So you've pretty much hit us all where we live. So <laughs> kudos to both of you, first of all. All there. But um, tell me a little bit. Uh, about how this book came together, because it is unusual. It's not your typical book. It's not the typical kind of resource that I talk to folks about, you know, here on the podcast. Um, you know, maybe I'm talking with someone in the spiritual formation field, like Trevor Hudson, or um, recently, Allison Cook, who's, who's uh, talking at the intersection of theology and psychology. And here are the two of you writing liturgies, for hope. So uh, we need to hear the story of how this came to be and also how the two of you, you how your lives intersected. So uh, Elizabeth, let's start with you. Great. Yes, it's a wonderful story. I would love to share it. So Audrey and I got connected um, when I first moved to New York. So I moved to New York about four years ago. Audrey and I had a mutual friend who I worked at summer camp with. Audrey went to college with her. So when I moved to New York, Audrey had already been here for about a year and I moved not knowing a soul. So I was looking for friends and luckily Audrey was truly, I think the first person that I met in New York, wow. I was visiting the city before I made my official move with my parents and we went out to dinner and we connected as just like kindred spirits. Nice. We both love words. We love writing. We love prayer. We love engaging with God through poetry. And so 
we really, yeah. So we connected just like off, right off the bat as friends. Um, and then I'll let Audrey tell the story of how the liturgies were formed. Um, but yeah. Well, and I almost interrupted and said, and Audrey, you interrupt her if anything's not correct in this. Absolutely. Audrey, <laughs> so that was side of the story. <laughs> and I will add into this that it's semi-miraculous that the that you met right away and yeah. were kindred spirits because yes. my husband and I have been in Florida now for closing in on six years. And relocating is really hard. finding new friends and friends who maybe have some depth people to go deeper with is even harder. (laughs) And so that's wonderful. I think the older that I get and the more time passes, I look back and I see truly how miraculous our friendship is and our partnership. And it seems like something that the Lord had planned all along was for us to not only be friends. The kindness of God. The kindness of God. Yes. Yes. That's right. Elizabeth and I always say our friendship is anointed. Our our other friends are probably tired of hearing us say that. (laughs) Like our our friendship's anointed too. There's something Um, about it. There's something about it that's really special. And I feel like our foundation of friendship was laid even before, like years before I met Elizabeth, because mutual friends of mine who um, I went to college with and Elizabeth worked at camp with, they would say, do you know Elizabeth Moore? You two are just cut from the same cloth. And to hear it phrased that way, I mean, you can't help but want to meet the person that others are saying is like your spiritual doppelganger. (laughs) So um, yeah, and so it really felt like for years prior to our friendship, God was already working um, on our stories and weaving us together. And so, yeah, it really is nothing short of a miracle to be living in the same city now and co-authoring a book. That is wow, truly wild. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think it, it is amazing. I love the story of meeting. And I think, you know, this isn't the purpose of this podcast, but um, I think it can also serve as an encouragement to people who are struggling to meet friends. Now it doesn't always happen how yours did, but God does see us. He does hear Mm -hmm. us. And I'm just here to say, God sees you and hears you and keep praying for that friendship connection and keep, um, doing some actionable things, you know, keep reaching out, keep, don't give up. Yes. Yeah. So good. So how did the, the idea for this come about? And did you start getting together and doing some other kinds of writing together first or well, what happened there? Um, uh, uh, let's see, Audrey, you go ahead here. Sure. Yeah. So, so I think like we said, Elizabeth and I connected immediately as writer souls. Um, and I think we shared writing with each other mm-hmm. um, prior to this, this book idea. Um, we would write things on our own and then send it to each other for review or even just to get confirmation that it wasn't horrible trash. That was me. <laughs> I was like, Elizabeth, is this, should I burn this in a very heat? <laughs> like, and so Elizabeth just became this trusted um, confidant almost with my writing. I knew she would be a safe place to send it and receive honest but encouraging feedback. Um, and then, yeah, and then we both serve Um, in our church together, Church of the City, New York. And we both were on the editorial team, which is a little team within our wider creative community at the church. And it really is just a bunch of writers and poets who do things for the church, which is such a gift. And yeah, to do that in a church setting, a local church setting is 
is amazing. Like whenever I say that out loud, I realize what a gift that is. So tell me your church is huge. Like how can you have this many writers and creatives, you know? You know, it's not a huge church though, which is funny. I think it's definitely growing, but it's almost like it just attracted a bunch of creative souls um, and still does, I would say. And not even writers, but, you know, all sorts. Uh, All sorts. Uh, Elizabeth, what's your take on that? Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I think maybe living in New York helps with that because it it attracts a lot of folks who are in creative careers or are kind of out trying to make it. And so Mm -hmm. I think our church does attract a lot of people who are already like moving forward in their own creative pursuits. So to then like open up a a community from which for it they can serve in the church, it just, it attracts those kinds of people. So, yeah. So that's where the the liturgies got their start at, in our creative community. So I love that they got their start in, within the context of a, of a creative community, but um, as I look at the kinds of liturgies, in, in fact, just the subtitle, you know, 60 prayers for the highs, lows, and everything in between, 60 is a lot. <laughs> and um, you have broken them down into categories, which I also love, yeah. uh, categories of faith, vocation, health, relationships, wonder, mystery, and confession. And I know for me, as I looked at those um, overarching categories, I immediately gravitated toward, you know, a category of my choice or that sparked my thinking immediately. And I, my guess is that others might as well. But you, I'm guessing, I'm thinking about the timeline of writing a book, usually 18 months or, you know, you start it and whatever, 18 months ish to publication or so I'm thinking, oh, this is pandemic stuff. This is pandemic born. Follow the timeline, right? (laughs) So say you've got to talk about that because that had to have deeply Mm -hmm. influenced how you wrote and what you wrote about. Mm-hmm. So who, which of you wants to start uh, answering that? I'm, I'm happy to share. The okay, Audrey. Story. Yeah. We can actually tag team it since it was such a joint right. Um, But yeah, Anita, it was never meant to be a book. <laughs> These liturgies <laughs> were never meant to be a book. It is our delight and surprise that we're talking about it as a book collection right now. Um, so yeah, these started really in March, 2020, which I know we all shudder when we say March, 2020. So that was when New York really became the epicenter of the pandemic. And as two people living in New York, we were just surrounded by chaos, confusion, despair, a lot of questions, a lot of weariness. And Elizabeth and I both noticed this in our own selves, in our community, in our neighbors, in our church. So really as writers in our church community, we were looking at this chaos and we thought, okay, could we offer anything as like an anchor of hope as writers? And so it was really a shot in the dark. We both just decided to pin these these liturgies. We took a weekend to write 11. We split that number. Um, and we, we tried to address different anxieties. People were feeling like fear, um, struggling with food. It was a weird time to be isolated in your home. Uh, like maybe some weird food things came up, mm-hmm. um, falling asleep. We know sleep was a struggle for a lot of people. 
during that time, physical health was obviously at the forefront of everyone's mind. So we just felt this sense of urgency. I think it was it was from the Holy Spirit to yeah. to write these words quickly. Mm. Um, and so I don't think we could have done it on our own. It was for sure with the Spirit's intercession. Yeah. But yeah, so we we churned out these liturgies from our own, I would say my own turmoil mm. and essentially writing the the words of prayer I wanted to pray um, to God to try to put words to this amorphous struggle. Um, and yeah, and then we we gave them to our church and we thought if these go in the church newsletter, wouldn't that be awesome? Like <laughs> a highlight of our lives if these, if these made it to the church newsletter. So That's obviously great. Gone a little beyond, but they did make that... it to the church newsletter. <laughs> they did <laughs> beyond. Yeah, I love that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Elizabeth, what uh, and yeah. what do you have to add to that? Yeah, uh, that's great. Absolutely. I think um, I just echo what Audrey said that we wrote the prayers that we needed, and we wrote them really for ourselves first and foremost, and then of course for our church community. But like, uh, we we needed them, and I think that. Uh, the spirit definitely was kind and gracious to give us words that resonated with ourselves and that resonated with other people. And they were both words of deep honesty and anguish and also words of, of hope straight from scripture. Mm-hmm. So we tried to pair those two things together, our the honesty of how we were feeling, the depth of our need and our despair. Um, but also we went to scripture to see like what, what have other, you know, psalmists or sure. people in the Bible have have had to say when they were in despair, like what hope has God given us in his word and how can we like apply that directly to this context? So we gave them to our creative team director at the time. Um, And as we mentioned, our thriving creative community, there were uh, some, some people who are web designers. So they built a website for the liturgies, which was uh, just a shock and awe to us. It was beautiful. Um, And from there, that's when they were able to be shared a little bit more widely. And our pastor, John Tyson, shared them um, online. And I think like what's the story that was been told to us was then um, then they were read to a few other church congregations, one of those congregations being um, King's Cross Church in London. Uh-huh. And um, there's an editor in London who is now a dear friend of ours wow. who heard the liturgies she felt the prompting to contact us to see if these could be a book with more, more than okay. the 11. Um, uh, oh, ele- I missed did. that number. So you had 11. Right. We had yeah. 11 okay. That's yeah. in the original series. And then now there are 60. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah. So I wondered, and, and let me just say this to, to folks. Yes, you are going to hear some liturgies because I think that's important and, yeah. and will be helpful. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they may the ones that we share today may meet you right where you are as only God can do. But um, I'm curious if the 11 all fell under one particular category, or if you recognized that they fell uh, all across the map or, you know, um, how did you decide um, on some of the categories? So where did the 11 fall first? I'll start with you, Elizabeth. They really are scattered throughout, um, which is so interesting because I actually haven't really thought about that until you brought that up, Anita, but they, we just picked these 11 topics out of our need. (laughs) Truly, we were just like, what were the first 11 topics that 
seemed the most pressing and urgent at the time in 2020. And now as they fit into the larger collection, they're everywhere. They're, they were liturgies for physical health. They were liturgies of confession, liturgies of faith, of wonder, of mm-hmm. mystery. And so, um, nice. and really we, we grouped these in these sections after, I think after we wrote the 60 liturgies and those sections just kind of rose to the surface as like, right. this is what these all seem to be nice. communicating. Um, so yeah. Sense. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I think it's uh, fascinating too, as I, uh, I don't only have authors on the podcast, but when I do speak with authors, I think books are often born out of personal need and the spillover is what yes. the world gets, you know, yes. okay. <laughs> it's fascinating. Is, it reminds me of that scripture that says the comfort we receive from God is then used to comfort others. Wow. Right. I, I feel like this book is almost like the closest I've gotten to that verse because those first 11 liturgies were really our pandemic collection. Um, But it is interesting how now that they've made it into the final book that's coming out in 2022, two years after that initial start of the pandemic, we tweaked a few words to make them a little less COVID-y. Sure. Okay. True. They stayed like their integrity stayed intact, which I think speaks to the fact that the needs we felt in 2020 transcend 2020. They still flow into 2022. And so we're all human. Like we're all still going through these human emotions. It just may look slightly different, the Mm -hmm. the context, but. Well, and, and isn't that a piece of the definition of good writing is that it's transcendent. It's mm. not, it may be yeah. personal, but it transcends and it speaks yeah. to other persons, not just the individuals that wrote it. So I think that's also yeah. a quality of good writing as well. So mm. nice. Well, I think we should read one. Let's, yes. um, I, let's start with a liturgy for those who wrestle with God. And l- first of all, let me ask who wrote this particular one? with me. Audrey. Okay, Audrey. And because I guess I, I did want to say, initially, I'm thinking, oh, you collaborated and, you know, <laughs> each wrote portions of ones. And then it dawned on me, maybe not. <laughs> you know, maybe you each wrote individual ones that uh, was a topic that spoke to you or whatever. And I mean, maybe you worked on editing each other's, I don't know, but mm-hmm. maybe uh, so was that more the way it went? Um, you each wrote individual ones yeah. and then looked them over for the other? That's exactly, exactly right. it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly okay. it. Our hope is that the collaborative nature of the project comes out in the voice where yeah. it's almost indistinguishable which yes. one of us wrote, which one we actually told our friends recently, let's play a game oh, where good. you go through the book and you try to figure out who wrote, who wrote? Um, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. I like that. But, <laughs> but yes, it was exactly what you said. We each divided the topics we came up with in half and wrote okay. the ones that resonated with us. Nice. So, yeah. So let me also ask before we read this, um, is this one, uh, cause I think this would be interesting too, a liturgy for those who wrestle with God. Was this one of the initial 11? I'll ask that before the ones we use. Good question. It was not. This okay. was created after. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. So we're going to do a little um, back and forth reading how, uh, even how you might hear it. If, if this was something 
on a a Sunday morning at your church or Saturday night, Tuesday night, whatever, where, however you meet. But I also want to add that these are very individual and it's, it's a book that you get and just read these for your own edification as well. But we're going to kind of do this little corporate reading here. Okay. All right. A liturgy for those wrestling with God. Here we are, O Lord, creature and creator, grappling and grabbing, all elbows in dust. I did not expect my encounter with you to be so gritty, so fleshy, and did not plan to struggle in the shadows with my God. But tonight you have come, so I trade my sleep for combat and my rest for sweat. I will not let let you go go until until you bless me. me. All my longings are remembered by you, and all my fears laid bare. You already know what I doubt and what I seek in the name of what I need. O God of Jacob, I wrongly believed my prayer would first be met with an answer. But instead, you have given me yourself and have met me face to face under the stars. You are not a God who rebukes boldness or scorns audacity, so I will stay on the mat until something moves. I will not let you go go until until you you bless me. Winded and wounded, I trust that your presence here means I am not forgotten. Oh, Father, you have found me in the desert and refused to leave me alone, unwilling to let your child go down without a fight. Only the living can wrestle, so let me draw on your strength and grant me the sort of persistence you honor. May my outward struggle flow from the inner realization that I am not grasping for straws, but rather gripping the wrists of the one who offers his own body, the surest thing I can hold. I will not let let you go until until you bless bless me. me. Oh God of Israel, my bruises are proof that I was not ignored. I have wrestled with you and triumphed, not because I received everything I wished for or because you succumbed to my will, but because I have been touched by the one who loves me, crippled by grace, and have limped into the promised land with a new name. Amen. I love that last line, and have limped into the promised land with a new name. Yeah. I moved to Florida with a horrible hip and had hip replacement in my fifties and thought really. And I just remember thinking, okay, God, maybe a, maybe a new name here in a new location. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fresh start. Yeah. Totally. Oh, that is beautiful. And truly speaks to anyone who is wrestling with God. Of course, you know, overlaid on that Jacob experience that we read about in Genesis. I do appreciate that at the end of each of these liturgies, you list the verses from which you um, took some um, creative inspiration from or uh, story Mm -hmm. from, et cetera. And I I really like that because it gives people a chance to even go back and look at those. And that can be a part of the, almost this can become a very devotional practice for people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. But I wondered, I didn't know. I thought, hmm, I wonder if that's your hope for that or, you know, I yeah, didn't know. Yeah. We nice. definitely envision, oh, we definitely envision people picking up the book and flipping through the table of contents and finding a liturgy that resonates with them in the moment um, and just meets them in their time of need. So yeah, hopefully it will be used as a personal devotion for people to meet God in prayer. I totally see it that way uh, as a, certainly one possibility. Um, I'm curious. So I know, uh, Audrey, when I read your very brief bio, the little bit that I read about each of you at the beginning, that um, you have been the recipient of um, an award, Academy of American Poets Prize and the Virginia Beale Ball Prize. So um Elizabeth, I'm curious if you have interest in or delve into the world of poetry or if that's just Audrey. I do. And actually, <laughs> I do delve into the world of poetry, but I feel like it was it was opened much more widely to me through these liturgies. Ah. So I have kind of, I consider myself a poet now. I write lots yes, of poetry that are is. not necessarily liturgies anymore um but i i didn't really dabble in poetry before the liturgy so it's interesting that writing poetic prayers kind of opened up this whole world to me this world of poetry um i used to write creative essays nonfiction. um okay. yeah and now i now i love poetry i feel like i should introduce both of you to an author um by the name of christine valters paintner i don't know if you know her no. catholic author um, probably my favorite book is the soul of a pilgrim. Uh, yeah. Christine Walters Paintner. She lives in Galway, Ireland. Oh, and, let's visit her. Okay, <laughs> right? sounds great. Go to That's what yeah. I want to do. <laughs> I would love to go with two of you for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but one of the things that, um, happened to me because I'm, I'm not a poet, you know, per se, but she encourages people in, to um, grab creative expressions as you intersect with reading passage of scripture. And that might be a spiritual practice. It might be, but to use mm -hmm. those creative expressions as spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. so I really got into writing yes. haiku poems. Uh, yes. Love it. And whenever in my life, I want to try and distill something down that I'm struggling with, Oh, will come a haiku. It's like, oh, this wow. is what this is about. Mm -hmm. yes. This, you know, yes. distilling it down to those few syllables yeah. and words. And so I, I've, you know, I, I'm certainly no great poet, but I, but the beauty of poetry, I want to, I want to hear from you, Audrey, first, what is the beauty of poetry? What drew you or did it just start kind of oozing out of you? Just say a word about poetry. I love the idea of poetry oozing out of my pores. <laughs> That's a lovely image. Um, you know what, Anita, I feel like recently I've realized that poetry and prayer draw from the same well. And so honestly, if we are praying people, I would say we're poets. Um, which of course, you know, there's like the literary aspect that uh, I won't go into right now. But um, I think both poetry and prayer are trying to put words to something that may feel inexpressible, but it's like trying to put form to it and trying to like do your best to describe something that feels true, but maybe there's no like 
like word you can think of in the moment to describe that. So you reach for like an image or a simile or a metaphor or something. And I think scripture is the best example of this because I didn't go to seminary, but I believe one third of scripture is poetry. And so, you know, David, the Psalms comes to mind. Like he was just like, he was experiencing such intense human emotion and he was using similes to to describe it or personification or whatever it may be. And a lot of it is lost on us when we read it in English because so much of the the Hebrew um, was poetry and there was acrostics and all of this stuff, it, which gets me so excited and hyped up <laughs> to think about it that way. Like I want to approach it like a student. Um, <laughs> so yeah, funny. I would say that like both poetry, writing poetry and praying have kind of blended in my life to the point where they're so blurred. I don't know where one starts and the other ends. And that is not to say my prayers are like beautiful. I feel like <laughs> my best and most honest prayers are so raw. Like you said, like a haiku where you distill it to just a few words. My, I feel like my most honest prayer is like help, like just one word. And that's not necessarily poetic. Um, but yeah, they're just really feeding each other right now in my life. So I, um, I, my favorite breath prayer is breathing in. I can't breathing out. You can, you know, that's that's pretty simple, pretty, pretty easy that, you know, um, yeah, the, the number of words, uh, there's another phrase for that, but the conciseness of words, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, economy of words, there it is. (laughs) So, uh, but uh, there's something else that, oh, you made me think of as you were talking about um, poetry and the use of words. Oh, I, so I'm thinking, yes, the beauty of words, I think sometimes with the digital age, um, things are, everything is more basic, you know, you've, uh, and, and I think about the craze of Wordle, uh, a little bit. And I think, you know, one, one reason I love to encourage people to play Wordle is, maybe it gives you some new words that you've not thought about, or maybe you come across a word that you're like, what? I never would have figured that out. Well, or to, to grab a thesaurus and, and just the the thesaurus, I think can be a really good friend as you're reading scripture, even Mm, Yeah, like that. Um, Anyway, the thesaurus is a good friend of writers anyway, right? It <laughs> yes. so is. It is. Sure it is. Too. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I think we should read another liturgy. And the one that I probably gravitated to first and foremost is a liturgy for waves of grief. So Elizabeth, you wrote this one, correct? Yes, correct. So let me ask you, was this one of the original 11? It was not. Oh, I totally thought (laughs) it would. I know. It makes so much sense (laughs) that it would be, right? We did write one of the original 11 was, um, I think we had written one that was like, for those mourning a loss. Ah, okay. That Um, makes sense. And so similar, but this one is more for those, those moments where the wave is literally overtaking you and where you feel like you just are lost at sea. So I really wanted um, this one to be read and to, for people to hear it because the pandemic certainly was the beginning of that wave. I mean, I think our political climate has also layered on some more waves of grief, Mm -hmm. um, no matter where you are on that 
spectrum. I think there are waves of grief. And, uh, you know, at, at the recording of this, now this will, will release a little bit different timing, but recently what has happened is the passing away of the queen. And so we've looked uh, a lot at our uh, friends in uh, the British Isles, you know, who have lost, uh, and the world really lost a 70 year world leader that you know, was some kind of a stable presence in our world. And mm -hmm. so there's a variety of grief and, and certainly not everyone felt the same way uh, about the monarchy. I, I get that, but I, I think it's interesting that no matter where we are or who we are, griefs will keep on coming. Yes. I am 62. Uh, you know, it seems that every seems every other day. I know that's not true, but, you know, someone kind of in my peer group or just a little ahead of me is passing away or uh, celebrity figures, known entities are passing away. The older we get, the two of you are youngsters, you know, um, right. <laughs> but you have still at the epicenter of the pandemic experienced um, unbelievable grief uh, that came, I'm sure, in the context of your faith community, your work mm -hmm. communities, all mm -hmm. just yeah. living in the space in which you did. Um, yeah. So th this is such a universal, mm -hmm. um, a universal issue, thought, emotion, mm -hmm. whatever words you want to put to it. So yeah. I thought it was important for us to hear a liturgy for waves of grief. So I'll yeah. let you begin this one, Elizabeth. Okay. A liturgy for waves of grief. O oh Lord, you know the rise and fall of my grief. You sustain my heart as it collapses in sorrow. You uphold my body under the weight of all I have lost. I come to you as a broken vessel, leaking with lament. How long until these cracks are mended? How long until these waves subside? Crippled by the current of catastrophe, I limp to you for healing. Wrecked by the flood of disaster, I reach out for you. You who are no stranger to sadness, you who are well known by grief, acquaint me now with these inevitable companions so I may learn the cadence of their current and gracefully ride the rhythm of their tide. Surely you are with me now, bearing this burden and shouldering my sorrow. One word from you silences the raging sea, and the sound of your voice calms the firecrest storm. Though I am caught in the winds of a hurricane, your love is the lighthouse that keeps me from crashing upon the rocks. Though you slay me, I will hope in you. Though I wander in this dark valley, I will remind my soul of your love. Through tears, I will call this truth to mind and have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Oh, compassionate one, as I pour out my grief, you pour out your love. This is the relationship I have with you my rock and my redeemer. Show me how to suffer well. Teach me to consider joy. 
Help me bravely face wave after wave, for you have promised to face them with me. Out of the anguish of my soul will come gladness. Out of the desolation of my body will come restoration. Out of the grim black of night will come the dawning of joy. I will look forward to the day when you will wipe away every tear. I will practice remembering that you make all things new. But for now, O oh great comforter, steady me. For though the waves crash, they will not crush me. I am holding on to you. Amen. Amen. Ooh, that's powerful. You know, as you were reading, as you were beginning and reading that first stanza, Elizabeth, um, I underlined leaking with lament, mm -hmm. that yeah. phrase. And it made me think of Lexio Divina. Uh, it mm. is a favorite spiritual practice of mine. I think anyone could use these liturgies as a Lexio practice and yeah. see what word or phrase elevates for you as you're reading it see what the spirit of God speaks to you. you know, that leaking with lament is what elevated yeah. for me. So, you know, I might sit with that a little bit later and think about that. So I think you can use these as Alexio practice, which I think would be a, another beautiful yeah. way to wow. read this. Yeah, that is a great idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love this. All right. Um, fine. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. I started to say final thoughts. Um, one of the things that I, that I wanted to ask before, maybe before we have some final thoughts from the two of you is, um, did you feel, because Audrey, you mentioned this earlier, so I wanted to come back to it. Uh, did you feel that you could be, or that you came into this space of truly being honest in prayer or that, that God helped you open up and be, be more honest and be more authentic in your writing as you wrote these. I'm curious. Um, and, and Elizabeth, maybe let's start yeah. with you as Audrey sort of mentioned this before. Mm. I, yeah, absolutely. I think this, the writing of these liturgies helped me realize just how safe it is to be honest in prayer and how actually more, um, I don't know if productive is the right word, but maybe it, it, it helps uh, cultivate intimacy with God, to be honest in prayer. And so as I wrote these, I knew honesty was going to be a key element. And so that was something that I was, I, and Audrey too, were challenging ourselves to be as honest as we possibly could. And to think about how, you know, maybe if someone was experiencing something we had never experienced, what would it look like and sound like to be brutally honest with God, to not be afraid, to be angry, to not be afraid, to be sad, to be despairing, to not have the answers. And I found that in the process of honesty, there's such beautiful intimacy that um, is created. And so I think that was one of my favorite takeaways was like, you can't be too honest. Like, yes. like the, the more honest, the better, honestly. Yeah. And yes. um, it, it, it creates beautiful, uh, yeah, like I said, intimacy with God and mm. opens up some new, new discoveries, new pathways that maybe mm -hmm. I didn't realize existed. So. Nice. And anything to add to that, Audrey? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I agree with everything you just said, Elizabeth. I think we often forget that we can bring 
anything and everything to God. And so I think that was the point of these liturgies was just trying to say, like, if you're contemplating a breakup, you can talk about that with God. Like there's <laughs> no detail in your heart that God is not already seen and doesn't want to hear you talk about. And so I think that was the biggest breakthrough for me, even just writing these was thinking about like the rhythm of my day, like even a lunch break, God wants us to talk to him about lunch. And so, yeah, just really inviting God into both the mundane and in the big things. So, so both the big and small, we can be honest about those things with him. So when you said that, it made me think of a a, a group, a women's group I was a part of this morning studying a book and someone mentioned, um, you know, wanting to reconnect with a friend and just saying, but all I've been doing is this and this just kind of mundane things. And I'm sitting there going, but if I'm your friend, I want to hear those mundane things. And I'm going, God wants to hear, as I hear you talking, God wants to hear about your lunch. God yes. wants to, you know, friendship. What is friendship? So I think we mm -hmm. don't have a great um, view or template of friendship with God, because I think we struggle in friendship with others. Oh, yeah. So just, yeah, yeah, I think that's so interesting. You've got this whole section on relationships, which I love liturgy yes. for friendship. And oh. as you said, Audrey, liturgy for those contemplating a breakup. I mean, literally, I, I saw my eyes jumped out when I saw a liturgy for those who don't love their job. And then I saw a liturgy for paying bills when there's not enough money. Just think of where we are in our world today, in our country, the inflation rates, etc. Yep. That's this is real. You're you guys yeah. are talking about real life, yes. where the rubber meets the road, where right. our hearts can connect with God if we will go there. Yes. You're yes. helping to take us there. Oh, that is the entire goal. <laughs> that is the entire wow. goal. That yeah. what a treat. Um I you know when I saw this book I thought huh I think I I think I want to talk to these two. This there's something really interesting here and beyond that really profound um there's something here that will draw us in to our relationship to God and others. I think there are multiple ways you can um, enjoy this book. And so thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the creative community that said to you, I think there's more here. I think there's a book mm -hmm. here, whoever it was yeah. that said that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Anita. Wow. Yes. This lovely conversation. Uh, this is good stuff. Really, really good. I wish you well. And of course, all the information, including websites and um, how you can connect with these beautiful women, Audrey Elledge and Elizabeth Moore, um, Liturgies for Hope, all of that information about the book will be in the show notes, just to remind you of that. And ladies, thank you again. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thank, thank you, Anita. And to everyone else, keep the conversation going.